This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue our adventures in Acts with Peter welcomes Cornelius's delegation, Peter arrives in Caesarea, Gentiles hear the gospel, the Gentiles Pentecost, and Peter's report to the church. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Open my lips, and my mouth shall declare your praise. Enlightened us in the true faith.
A reading from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Here once again, uh, this brief chunk of the text that was uh, just read before. According to Revelation, this mystery was made known to me, as I have written in brief beforehand. By the way, that's an allusion to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and good, good evidence that Paul's letter collection was circulating early. As I have written in brief beforehand, which when you read it, you can perceive my understanding in the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, noma, fellow members of the body, soma, and fellow partakers, metocha, of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Let us pray. These are your words, Holy Father. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. It's amazing you get to Ephesians and Colossians, 
And there are lots of abstract terms, and you read something like this, even in church, even among well-educated Christians, and you're left thinking, holy cats, what a mouthful. So let's figure this thing out. Stick with me. If you come at this text from the viewpoint of modern American Christianity, it's going to be all totally disembodied spiritual stuff. Revelations, mysteries, the Holy Spirit. The Christianity of the Bible is never like that. The Christianity of the Bible knows only one God, and that's the God who took flesh in Jesus Christ. It knows only one way of salvation, the real death of the real God-man. In a certain place, in a certain time, under a certain governor. So even if the Church of the Holy Sepulchre isn't right there at Golgotha, right there in the garden where the grave that Joseph of Arimathea paid hard-earned bucks for received our dead God, the very existence of the church in a real place points to a stubborn fact. The God of the Bible is a God who does and wishes to get his fingernails dirty in the matter of salvation. Justification is by faith alone, I grant it. But faith is always faith in that flesh and blood Savior and in the God whose fingernails are dirty. Just think about it. Do you think that the God whose staff swallowed up the magician's snakes that the God who saved the firstborn in all the land of Israel by blood, smeared on the doorposts and the lintels of the houses, that the God who stuck Noah and seven others in the ark to save them from the flood, that the God who walked among the three men in the burning fiery furnace and saved them, that the God who accompanied his people in the desert in a cloud by day, a cloud in the desert and a pillar of fire by night, that the God who filled Solomon's temple in a thick, choking billow of smoke, that the God who took flesh in the belly of a young Jewish girl and suffered and died in your place, do you think, do you think that God has somehow changed suddenly? That terms like mystery and partaker and body are just somehow metaphors? used to work like that, but today, not so much. Really? God hasn't changed so very much, and what he does for you today, he still does in the body. That's exactly what Paul is saying. Real flesh and blood Gentiles are joined in the real flesh and blood body of believers, the church with Jews. You can pinch each other. They are so by being fellow partakers, that is Eucharistic language. 
Their participation, in other words, in the Eucharistic body of Christ constitutes their fellow membership, their being susoma with the Jews in the body of Christ, the church. And that precisely is the mystery, the mysterion. Nordling's here, I don't know what he's going to say to this. But yes, I think the term mysterion is derived from the mystery religions. In the mystery religions of the ancient world, you got integrated into the cult by means of mysteria, tokens, real things that revealed the content of the religion. The church father Hippolytus of Rome writes this, the Athenians, while initiating people into the Eleusinian rites, that was a mystery religion, Likewise, display to those who are being admitted to the highest grade at these mysteries the mighty and marvelous and most perfect mysterion, suitable for one initiated into the highest mystic truths, an ear of grain in silence reaped. The church fathers knew this. Now, Christianity of the Bible has its own mysteries, its own real things. A baptism that joins the believer to Christ, that makes Christ's death and resurrection the believer's death and resurrection, by which the believer, Paul says, puts on Christ, a new identity, a supper of which the believer partakes, met eche in the soma of Christ and in his blood. And whoever does it is made to be susoma of one body with Christ and susoma of whoever else partakes. This solves another mystery of the text. The ancient prophets, of course, knew and foretold the mission to the Gentiles. All you got to do is read Isaiah. That can't be the thing that's been hidden from the ages, the, the promise of the Messiah in the gospel, really? They didn't know it? But Paul isn't talking crazy talk, and he didn't forget his Tanakh. What's new, what had been hidden from the ages in God, was this Eucharistic mystery. The only offering that the Gentiles could have any part in in the Old Testament was the holocaustes, an offering that was burned up whole, nothing spared, nothing to be consumed by the offerers. The Jews could make that offering too. The Jews could also make an offering that they, along with the priests, got to eat. But guess who didn't get to do that? The Gentiles. The Gentiles were counted out. They couldn't be fellow heirs. They couldn't be members of the body of Israel. Why? Because they could not be partakers of the sacrifice. But not in Christ. His death was a death not for the sins of the Jews only, but for the sins of the whole world. The meal prepared on the basis of that death, this mysterion, is thus, as he himself said, for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
The mission to the Gentiles and their incorporation into the people of God isn't some sort of noetic thing, some platonic idea floating up there in the clouds. It's as real as the God who to save dirties his fingernails. It's as real as the God who took on your flesh once and remains in it. And what a blessing that is for you. Your faith doesn't live up there in the mists of what you conjure up in your mind. It lives in the flesh and blood of Jesus. And you know that you have that flesh and blood Jesus when you have his blood to drink and his body to eat. If you have that, then you have Christ. If you have Christ, then you have the forgiveness of all of your sins. And if you have the forgiveness of all of your sins, you have life and salvation. Amen.
Let us pray. Blessed Lord, since you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Give us grace that we may cast away the works of darkness and put upon ourselves the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day when he shall come again in glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings being ordered by your governance may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our, our Father, and direct our days and our deeds in his peace. Amen. 